The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound off. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Breaking news tonight the White House is responding to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's latest developments on the impeachment. The latest developments the House Democrats this week are set to take their first vote supporting the impeachment inquiry of President Trump. Speaker Pelosi announced the plan on Monday in a letter. And she says that the resolution, quote, affirms the ongoing existing investigation that is currently being conducted by our committees as part of this impeachment inquiry. All that plus President Trump visiting the World Series. What was the reaction and what, more importantly, is his reaction to the reaction from the Nats loss yesterday? But a lot to get through. Matt Brooks is here, a good old Eagles fan. We won, Matt. Republican strategist and executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. And Antoine Seawright returns, Democratic strategist, founder and CEO of Blueprint Strategy, a former senior advisor to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. And John Garamendi, Congressman John Garamendi, Democrat from California, he's going to check in with us as well. Lots to get through, but first, let's get a check at the headlines from my good friend, Nancy Lyons. Nancy Thanks, Kevin. The House of Representatives, as you mentioned, is set to take its first vote to support the ongoing impeachment inquiry of President Trump, a move that aims to nullify Republicans' main complaint that the process is illegitimate. In a letter to her colleagues today, Speaker Nancy Pelosi writes, quote, We are taking this step to eliminate any doubt as to whether the Trump administration may withhold documents, prevent witness testimony, disregard duly authorized subpoenas, or continue obstructing the House of Representatives. While a wildfire continues on a swift path through the star-studded hills of Los Angeles, destroying several large homes and forcing folks like LeBron James out of their homes, California officials are also keeping an eye on an exploding wildfire in Northern California wine country. The man accused of killing five staffers at the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis last year has pleaded guilty but not criminally responsible by reason of insanity. Attorney Katie O'Donnell says Jared Ramos pleaded guilty to all 23 charges in the indictment, including five counts of first-degree murder. His plea means, though, that the case will skip the first phase of determining guilt and now move to a second phase of determining whether he is criminally responsible. We're learning more about a viral moment from Maryland Congressman Elijah Cummings lying in state at the U.S. Capitol last week. A man appeared to snub Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell as he shook hands with a receiving line of congressional leaders during Cummings lying in state. That man's been identified as Bobby Rankin, a close friend of the late congressman. Rankin tells the Washington Post when he saw McConnell, all he saw was his brother's face. Rankin's brother died of cancer last year. 
He was exposed to contaminated water at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Rankin says Cummings reached out to McConnell to try to get military benefits for his brother and other veterans. He wasn't clear about McConnell's role in those benefits being denied. Nathan Hager, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan says a special election to fill the seat of Congressman Cummings will be held February 4th of next year with a special general election occurring on April 28th. Interested candidates can file their paperwork beginning Wednesday with the deadline of November 20th. The winner would finish the remainder of Cummings' term, which ends in January of 2021. Well, the Nationals do have their backs against the wall in the World Series, down to the Astros three games to two. Nats manager Davey Martinez says he believes in the team and pitcher Steven Strasburg will be on the mound when the series resumes on Tuesday. Well, I told him the focus is game six. You know, we got Steven Strasburg on the mound. Um, so I like our chances, you know. Keeps us in a ball game. Who knows what could happen. First pitch tomorrow is shortly after 8 o'clock. Well, it's time now for the Beltway Business Report. Here is Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. A Wall Street trifecta. Higher hopes for a trade deal with China, solid company earnings and anticipation. The Federal Reserve will this week cut interest rates again, set the S&P to a new record close, up 17 to 3,039. The Dow rose 133, the Nasdaq 83. Microsoft's winning a $10 billion contract from the Pentagon to run cloud services helped all three averages. Microsoft shares rose about 2.5%. That even with word Amazon plans to challenge the contract on grounds President Trump interfered with the process. Google's parent company missed its profit marks last quarter, falling short of where analysts thought Alphabet would be. The company hit by aggressive spending by Google on marketing and hardware development. The Maryland Public Service Commission will have to approve, but Baltimore Gas and Electric says it's willing to cut its proposed rate hike by 47 percent. It's worked out a deal with opponents of the plan. The compromise would still bring the utility $79 million. Walmart, W.R. Grace, and the Defense Department, as well as the Office of People's Counsel, all oppose the original plan, a rate hike of $149 million. You're up to date now on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Joan Doniger. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 HD2. Thanks, Joan. Global news 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Back to you, Kevin. Thank you, Nancy. How about that game last night? Nationals, ugh, making it interesting. Always making it interesting. Uh... And the reaction from the crowd to President Trump, there were chants reportedly, quote, lock him up. Oh, we're going to get into that coming up. Uh, Matt Brooks is here, Republican strategist, executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition. Antoine Seawright, Democratic strategist, founder and CEO of Blueprint Strategy, former advisor to Hillary Clinton. She's been back in the headlines a lot, Antoine. She's busy. She's keeping it interesting. Uh, she's staying relevant. She's staying a part of the conversation, as she should. She will go down to history as one of the most uh, successful uh, and decorated women uh, in U.S. politics, I think. And so she's a part of the conversation. I think, as I've said to you privately and publicly, she will add a, a tremendous uh, lift once we have a nominee up and down the ticket next year. All right. All right. Well, another another dominant, I would argue, the most dominant uh, politician on the Democrats right now is Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. And there was some breaking news just within the last 90 minutes where House Democrats this week are going to take their first vote, the first vote on the impeachment inquiry of President 
Donald J. Trump. It's uh, Speaker Pelosi. She announced the plan in a letter to her caucus members as well as to members of Congress. And it's a resolution that, quote, affirms the ongoing and existing investigation that is currently being conducted by our committees as part of this impeachment inquiry. The vote's going to be on Thursday. I'm not really sure what exactly this vote is going to do. But in this letter, she goes on to write, we are taking this step to eliminate any doubt as to whether the Trump administration may withhold documents, prevent witness testimony, disregard duly authorized subpoenas, or continue obstructing the House of Representatives. But but, Antoine, again, I'm not sure what this vote's going to do. I mean, we all know they're investigating. Well, it establishes the procedure for hearings that are open, uh, which is a complaint we've heard from the Republicans. It authorized the disclosure of deposition transcripts, outline procedures to transfer evidence to the Judiciary Committee as it um, considers potential articles of impeachment. So, in other words, it sheds a light of transparency. Um, to what the House has uh, already been doing in terms of investigation. And as we've seen, we've seen a number of Republican <coughs> officials, particularly those who are still in this administration, not show up for hearings. So this just kind of really puts a bow on that and requires them to do so, or well, else they will be held in contempt. Well, my sources at the White House, Matt Brooks, uh, they tell me, well, it's not, you know, there's nothing to comply with. There's There's been no formal articles of impeachment that have been brought forward at this point and the hearings are are not yet public so they've been essentially saying it's you know we're not gonna this is just oversight so that that's their reasoning matt no i think and and you know i think that there's some merit to some of the claims at this juncture about executive privilege and ultimately that may or may not be adjudicated uh in the courts but but look, you know, the, the reality is this is all a contrived kabuki dance uh, oh, on the part of the House leadership. We all know that they're going to move forward with impeachment. We all know yeah, Antoine, that this train, you would agree. this train has left the station and this hand wringing and this angst and, you know, all this other stuff is just a charade uh, when when the train is already moving. Here's what I'm confident, Matt. I'm confident in my leader, uh, the majority whip who has the responsibility of counting votes, Jim Clyburn. And I'm very confident in his political astuteness in order to gather the information so that it is a home run hit, not a single uh, to get on base, but a home run hit. And from what we've seen this to this point, it is undoubtedly sure that there's something in the milk and clean, as we say in South Carolina, where I'm from. <laughs> what? Say that one more time. Slow something, down. something in the milk. Ain't clean. It's a southern thing, Kevin. Something you gotta, in the milk ain't, ain't clean. clean. Yeah. I don't even know remotely what that would be. <laughs> that means that something's not right based on a number of things we've seen, especially um, the testimonies we've heard. And when you all say behind closed doors, you and I both know that these are rules the Republicans put in place, i.e. is the reason why Trey Gowdy during Benghazi um, kicked out a member of his own party. Last week, they just walked through the, clo- <laughs> the closed doors. Stephanie Grisham. Stephanie Grisham, the White House's press secretary, Stephanie Grisham, she released a statement that says, quote, we won't be able to comment fully until we see the actual text. But Speaker Pelosi is finally admitting what the rest of America already knew. Democrats were conducting an unauthorized impeachment proceeding, refusing to give the president due process and their secret shady closed door depositions are completely and irreversibly illegitimate. So the White House, you know, sticking by what they're their continued response to this. Let's hear from House Intel Chairman Schiff, Adam Schiff. 
uh, did you hear, did you guys catch what he had to say? Because he was asked, the Democrat from California, he was asked uh, earlier today about really John Bolton and President Trump's ousted national security advisor, John Bolton, who will not appear before a Democratic-led congressional impeachment inquiry as he waits for a court ruling on whether he can testify. So that ruling is set to happen, I guess, over the next couple of weeks. But John Bolton, who Axios is saying is writing a book, uh, could get caught up in this. Take a listen to what Adam Schiff had to say about all of this. And if they do and they fail to appear, they will be building a very powerful case against the president for obstruction, uh, an article of impeachment based on obstruction. Matt, what I just don't understand is that when the when the transcript got released, and I don't want to litigate, obviously, Matt, you're going to tell me that you don't think that there was anything impeachable or to be removed from office, and Antoine will disagree with you. Mm-hmm. But what I don't, what I procedurally don't understand is why they didn't just have the vote after that transcript got released, because I don't think anyone is really going to change their mind. Any elected official is going to change their mind throughout this process. No, I mean, that's why I sort of called it this this kabuki dance with them going through the motions of this. I can assure you as good a vote counter as Jim Clyburn is, Every single Democrat is going to vote to it. There's not going to be one that doesn't vote to impeach the president of the United States. So I can do the whip count right here, right now, today, uh, and pretty pretty confident of uh, of uh, you know the results. And so um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you're asked the right question, Kev. I mean, thank you. This is this is a, a process, but you know, this is where it starts to get complicated for the Democrats because time is not their friend right now. And so they have a window coming up, which is the beginning of the year when it's political season in earnest. We start with the primaries and the Democratic side. We start with the whole campaign focus. And they do not want this to be seen as a political attack to undermine the president in an election year. Let's stop breaking the speed limit a little bit here. Let's slow this car down. The fact of the matter is Democrats, especially those in swing districts, have been very clear. They want transparency about the process, so they want to gather information. That's why you've seen a vote for an inquiry, not necessarily impeachment. And so I'm not sure that you're going to get an impeachment vote for everyone. All right. We're going to we're going to talk about this more coming up. Uh, we're going to pivot to foreign policy up next uh, and, and the killing of, of ISIS leader Baghdadi. Uh, Big win for America on that front, and, and the president getting praise from, from Democrats and Republicans uh, on that. Panel stays, Matt Brooks, Antoine Seawright. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and look, I'm going to be honest. I would rather have an Eagles win than a Nats win. <laughs> I just got to say it. I'm sorry, Washington. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. Matt Brooks is here, Republican strategist, as is Antoine Seawright, Democratic strategist. Coming up, we're going to check in with Congressman John Garamendi, the Democrat from California, to talk all things domestic and foreign policy. Big developments, gentlemen. Yesterday, when the president delivering a, a major speech about the killing of ISIS leader Abdul Bakar al-Baghdadi, and it was uh, it, it comes at a time, as I was reporting earlier on Bloomberg Television, it comes at a time in which the president has faced 
some criticism on the foreign policy front from the likes of Senator Lindsey Graham, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Davies walked back some of their criticism with the making permanent of the ceasefire between Turkey and Syria. Uh, but Abu al-Baghdadi, bad guy, bad guy, and the president got some praise, got some praise from Democrats. It was tepid. It was measured. Uh, but but there was a there was a, a, a praising not just of the president, but also of the brave military men and women and, and the service members who, who carried out that account map. Yeah. And, and look, you know, anybody who has to sit in that chair and make that call, especially with the intricacies of this particular mission, flying over multiple hostile areas and and putting our, you know, our uh, brave soldiers at risk. It's, it's a tough call to make. And he made the right decision and we got the right results. Uh, and it could very well have gone, you know, the other way. We've seen multiple uh, examples of that in the past, the most notable one, Jimmy Carter, trying to rescue our, our hostages. So it's not a foregone conclusion that it's a successful mission. In this case it was, and we took out a guy who uh, not only is, is one of the most unrepentant terrorists around, but has, you know, American blood on his hand. And so uh, good riddance, and uh, I think do think the president, uh, you know, is going to uh, temper some of his critics uh, – in, in the Republican Party for his uh, pullout of, of Syria uh, with this, uh, his renewed commitment to stand up and make sure ISIS doesn't get a foothold back into that area, and as you said, the, the ultimately the ceasefire between the Kurds and, and the Turks. I remember where I was in the Obama, in the Obama White House. I, I, was, I was still a student in college, and I believe I, was, I had just gotten home from some type of break, and, and just when, when bin Laden was killed and just the, what that meant— for so many people, just I mean, you you that that's what immediately this news yesterday made me recall was just you felt that this Voldemort figure from your from that hung over a, not just American culture but global culture was was gone, uh, and that that's where your mind goes I think and and it was one of those rare moments Antoine Seawright yesterday where it, it you feel like America is winning against ISIS terrorists. I felt it then. I felt good about it yesterday. I want to thank our servicemen um, who put their life on the line every single day so that we can just have the ability to be. Unfortunately, uh, you hate to insert politics into this. Right, but, but it's here. But there's some procedures and some historical things traditionally that a president or steps a president would take, i.e. notify the Congress, which did not happen. I think you've seen that some Democrats, including Speaker well, Pelosi, um, barking about that. And then you had even some of the president's cheerleaders um, rightfully saying that he praised Russia uh, before he praised the servicemen, and he continued to praise Russia in his uh, Sunday morning address before he even praised other allies and even our servicemen in this country. Let's, and that just feeds into a narrative. I'm not trying to insert politics, but I'm No, I want to I I I pause because we have a soundbite, and I want to I okay, play, sure. Matt, uh, what you mentioned notifying Congress. Well, well let's, let's back it up. You've, you've pre- you just mentioned the president thanking uh, Russia and Turkey for their role in this. Now, the president has said uh, for quite some time that he is going to work with Russia, work with Turkey on areas where they can. It's no question. It's, it, it, it's known uh, that previous administrations, as it relates, especially in this region, have worked with Russia in the past, including your former boss, Hillary Clinton. No. But wait, but wait. I do want to read this new report from CNN because a senior State Department official has told CNN just within the last 15 minutes that Syrian Democratic forces, the Kurds, played a key role, a key role. And I see you shaking your head there. Yeah. 
key role in working with the U.S. forces uh, to carry out uh, this particular uh, uh, attack. You also mentioned about the president not notifying Congress. Well, the president was asked about that, and, uh, well, let's take a listen to what he said on why he didn't notify members of Congress. Here he is. They were talking about why didn't I give the information to Adam Schiff and his committee? And the answer is because I think Adam Schiff is the biggest leaker in Washington. You know, I hear you, Mr. Tr I hear you, Mr. President. <laughs> I hear you. However, there's just something we call history and precedent uh, when it comes to these things. And what happens if it's a Democratic president next and this thing goes wrong? It goes south. Or what if this mission went south? We would not be having the same conversation. That's why, you know, at the end of the day, whether you agree um, with the persons in power or not, there's just some historical reason. I, I, get, I, get, just, I have a question. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, but but I got a breaking news flash for you. I mean, we may need this is going to be big. Is it on and, the Bloomberg and, terminal? It, it will be. And, and, <laughs> and, and the plane, land the plane for us. Antoine, sit down for this because it's going to blow you away. But the the reality is the playbook that they give you after you swear on the Bible and you sit in the Oval Office for the first time about how do you act and what you do as president. The first thing this president did is threw it in the trash. It should be of no surprise that this president I don't think that's doesn't. That's breaking news. I, that's my point. It that's the be point a, he's making. That's the point. It should be no surprise that this guy doesn't do what other presidents and how they do it. And you know, he's his own guy and marches to his own beat. And you know, uh, he is. Uh, he, that's who he is. That doesn't make it right. Well, you know, but I also think there's a broader question. And and for take off your your partisan hats just for a second here. I think there's a broader question when you have. <laughs> so Antoine literally just took off his hood. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a broader question when you have members of Congress walking into the the shift, uh, the skiff, the secure facility, and and then obviously there is there are a ton of leaks and it's not unique to either party. I mean, when it relates to matters of national security, maybe in this new age where there's everyone leaking, that there's. I don't know. I mean, maybe we have to relook at certain but, but things. leaks are coming from his White House. Leaks are, oh, my, leaks my are friend, coming from in the My friend, the I'm skiff. talking to just as many senior Democratic yeah. sources as no, I No, 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 no. But, but, but to the point, we've seen leaks on both sides. Yeah, agreed. All right, coming up, we're going to check in with Congressman John Garamendi, Democrat from California. Panel stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Joining us on the telephone line, Congressman John Garamendi, a Democrat from California. Congressman, thank you for calling in. I, I have to begin tonight with news directly impacting your constituents mm -hmm. this wildfire on the 405 a, a brush fire i'm reading from a local report of nbc a brush fire fanned by santa Ana winds erupted in the hills above the 405 freeway early monday burning homes and forcing evacuations in neighborhoods on los angeles's 
West Side. Mm-hmm. What's the latest? How? What? How, what is going on? And uh, give us an update. Well, California is burning. Uh, Northern California, one of the large fires, over uh, 50,000 acres uh, up in the Sonoma, Napa area. We're talking about serious uh, vineyards and serious wineries that have already burned. Uh, in Southern California, yep, we're talking about what's known as the Getty Fire. We're talking about the, uh, the ultra-rich in the, uh, home, in the hills there overlooking uh, the San Fernando Valley as well as uh, Santa Monica. So, yes, we're seeing fires everywhere, and uh, it's, it is fire season. But this year seems to be even more difficult than in the past. The winds uh, were extraordinary over the weekend. Uh, at our ranch up in uh, northern California, the Sierra Foothills, we had winds that were easily in the 50, 60 mile an hour. Wow. And, of course, power was shut down. And that's the story for most of northern California and southern California the same. Um, traditionally, southern California does have uh, the... Um, the winds this time of year, Santa Ana winds, and so here we go. It's it's a dangerous time of year for California. 500 acres, 500 acres being impacted as of now uh, by these fires, uh, and according to the local reports, a cause not immediately determined, no injuries as of now have been reported. Congressman, switching gears, uh, you're a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion today about the U.S. killing of ISIS terrorists, uh, uh, Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi. Uh, and I wanted to get your response on the conversations that have been swirling around Washington, D.C. And, and by some of your colleagues about uh, how the president conducted this uh, and where, where the fight goes from here. Well, the good news is al-Baghdadi is dead. Uh, the, and it was really a joint effort of the intelligence services working with the Kurds um, in the area. Uh, our uh, CIA, our defense intelligence, uh, various assets that we have, as well as the uh, Iraqis. So uh, a very good result from a very long and, in many cases, a very painful process of trying to uh, uh, take out the guy that was the leader of ISIS. The rest of the story is ISIS is an ideology. It's more than just a leader, just as al-Qaeda is an ideology. Uh, we took out uh, the leader of al-Qaeda, but we didn't, uh, that did not end al-Qaeda. And unfortunately, uh, the good news is we took out Baghdadi, and that's unfortunately not the end of ISIS. Somebody else will pick it up and carry it forward because it's an ideology. Have you, have you as the ceasefire has been made permanent, uh, according to the White House and Vice President Mike Pence and Secretary Pompeo, as you now, with a weekend, settle into this permanent ceasefire between Syria uh, and and, nor- and and northern Syria or Syria and Turkey and the Kurds, are you satisfied with the ceasefire, or, or do you think hearings are going to be necessary to further examine the, the ceasefire? Uh, the Kurds we now are hearing via CNN uh, were were very helpful to the United States in carrying out the killing of uh, al-Baghdadi. So this ceasefire, has it eased some of your concerns? No, not at all. Uh, The bottom line of this is that Trump dumped our ally and threw our ally under the treads of the Turkish tanks. That's exactly what happened. Those are the same allies that helped us find uh, al-Baghdadi. 
uh, the leader of ISIS. Uh, those are the same people that fought for five years side-by-side side with American special operation forces as well as our Air Force to push uh, or to, to terminate the ISIS caliphate. And uh, no sooner was that job done than Trump dumped them. Uh, and they are, we have ethnic cleansing going on in uh, northern Syria. The Kurds are being run out. Uh, Turkey is bringing in uh, displaced uh, Syrians from other parts of the uh, Syrian country and putting them in the communities that the Kurds once in, once lived. And so we have a terrible situation there. And now we are protecting oil. And so Trump said a couple of months ago that it's all about oil. Oil is wealth. Oil is the new gold. And so now what are we doing? We're protecting oil, not only in Syria. We're certainly not protecting the Kurds. We're also protecting oil in Saudi Arabia. So mm. what we've become is, is basically a, uh, a, a for-hire force uh, to protect oil. And the other critical interests that we have, stability in the region, uh, protecting uh, people that are certainly going to be in harm's way, the Kurds, uh, and being in a position to negotiate the future of Syria, we have no role any longer. Uh, in the future of Syria. Russia, a, a terrific win for Putin, no doubt about it. Once again, Trump has handed Putin a terrific win because it is the Russians and Assad, known as the butcher, uh, t to patrol northern Syria. Right. right. And uh, the United States is gone. We're no longer relevant there. So you have Turkey, right. Putin, Russia, and Assad controlling that area. And they're the ones that are going to uh, determine what happens. So count on Russia winning big. Congressman John Garamendi joins us. He's a Democrat from California. We're talking all things about the latest on foreign policy. We also got his take on the fires. Congressman, before I let you go, the big development in domestic po political matters over the past hour and a half has been Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. I'm sure you got her letter. She just wrote you and your colleagues and said that on Thursday there's going to be this this vote regarding the impeachment inquiry. I got to be candid here. I'm not sure what the vote is actually on. Could you give us some guidance on, on number one, what you're actually voting on as it relates to the impeachment and what it might mean for the trajectory of the impeachment inquiry? Uh, basically, as I understand it, the vote is going to confirm what we're already doing, and that is conducting these uh, investigations, gathering the data, gathering the information, and authorizing hearings based upon the information that has been gathered. Uh, I, I have not seen the final language. I would hope it would also uh, provide an opportunity to uh, pick up the Mueller report. Uh, there's a lot that needs to be uh, followed up on that with the uh, question of uh, obstruction of justice. Uh, but clearly it will be on the Ukraine matter, and it will move us uh, it will confirm the uh, depositions and the hearings that are taking place in which the Republicans have had every opportunity to participate. Forty-seven Republicans are members of those committees, so all of this whining about not participating just isn't a factual matter. And beyond that, I'm sure it will uh, move us into the uh, open public hearings based upon the testimony that's been received in depositions. 
Well, then I'm sure I'll bump into you into the, <laughs> in the halls of Congress. I will see you once in the halls, those yeah. hearing, hearings get underway. Congressman John Garamendi, Democrat it. from California. Hey, best our, our thoughts and prayers with with uh, with your constituents as they navigate through another horrific, horrific wildfire season. Coming up, yeah. panel reacts. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent with Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. It's now time for what's truthfully become one of my favorite segments on the show, What's on Your Radar? Matt Brooks is here, Republican strategist, Antoine Seawright, Democratic strategist. Uh, before we get to What's on Your Radar, did, did, did any of you watch the Nats? Did you watch the Nats yesterday? Ooh. Oh, wow. Oh, we're, go- we're just going right there. It's Halloween, too. See what I did there? You thought you were referencing the booing incident, which we'll talk about, but it's Halloween week. It is Halloween Matt, week. did you watch? Um, no, I actually did not. I was at the game on Saturday, on. but being a Phillies guy and – Hard to root for uh, another NL East team. So. You know, it, it it is it's just it's. Uh, listen, I I will disagree with you. I actually am rooting for the Nets. Uh, I want them to win. I think I just any I I'm you know hometown Washington radio host. I'll go for You're, it. That's not your hometown, <laughs> Kevin. I'm gonna make I'm sure. I'm gonna make go. sure they are. I, right I at, can't at even the, fake it. The now. 95 border. They are gonna just turn you around. No, I you said are it. banned. I oh no, you not do not ban me from Delco. Listen, I literally just said it because I couldn't even get it out with a straight face <laughs> because I just do not fit in Washington D.C. And I'm sorry, I'm trying. The single worst sports town in America. What Washington? Washington okay, DC. come on, no. I will say Redskins fans know how to tailgate. Not as good as us, but they do. They they have really they, good tailgates. The, the, this is not only the capital of government, but it's the capital I'm of fair weather so, fans. I can feel the glare <laughs> of Christine Barada, our executive producer, being like, "Get back on track and stay focused." Uh, but the booing incident. So President Trump, he arrived at the game, and. There were reportedly chants of, quote, lock him up. There were some boos. Hogan Gidley, uh, uh, one of the spokespeople for the president, uh, was asked about this earlier today at the White House. Take a listen to what Hogan said. I know that there were some people there cheering as well. But listen, it's Washington, D.C. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty liberal town, but the president's a big baseball fan. And uh, Don, did you guys see what Donald Trump Jr. tweeted? Uh, this is, did, you, did you see this, Hans Vaughn? I don't, I don't think you're going to like this. Mm. He said, quote, I'll take booze from the leftist D.C. fan base and cheers from the great men and women of the United States Armed Forces any day of the week. Antoine? Don't boo, vote. Uh, but there's a way you can do both. Look, I, I think There's that- a way? Wow. I don't think I don't. I mean, I, I mean you, you know. can boo to show your frustration, but make sure you turn those boos into boo-hoos at the polls and show up and vote. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me just make one one point, because we, you know, Anton and I have all advised candidates and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. Any candidate, any elected official who shows up at a sporting event gets booed. Period. Really? Not, Barack, not Barack, Obama. Obama. Barack Obama absolutely got booed at, at Nats Park. Absolutely. That's, listen, that's listen, why they don't throw out the first pitches. Even the Philadelphia pitches. Eagles get booed by me if they're playing bad that's, at the link. That's why they don't drop the hockey puck. That's why they don't throw out first pitches because they know they're going to get booed. That's what sports – people don't want their politicians at their I sporting I always think events. of that Aaron Sorkin West Wing episode where uh, President Bartlett is practicing because he's so nervous because he can't throw a baseball. Remember that? It's a great episode. Ah. Uh, Okay, the other thing I wanted to finish up on before I get what's on your radar, the dog. 
Have you guys been following this? The canine, the hero canine that was part of the raid on al-Baghdadi. You know, Kevin, we don't deserve dogs sometimes. I mean, look, this dog, uh, I is, want a dog. is a hero. Um, it is a hero. He did, obviously, what in some way, and I don't know the inner workings that obviously a woman or man in uniform couldn't do. He went in and did the dirty work, and <laughs> I, I commend that dog for doing that. That is probably, we, that's the quote of the show, KO <laughs> in New York, just put in our group chat. Uh, we don't deserve dogs, though, <laughs> agreeing with you. Uh, and President Trump tweeted. We just don't tweeted, know his name, Kev. Well, President Trump tweeted, we have declassified a picture of the wonderful dog, name not disclass- declassified, that did such a great job in capturing and killing the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Uh, but they, and then he has a, a picture of this dog. It's 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 really been the viral moment of the day because no one knows that the name is declassified. Now there's mystery, Matt, as to why isn't the name declassified. But hey, I'm not asking questions. If they, I mean, I'm I am asking questions. But if they don't want to declassify the name of the dog, then hey, more power to the dog. It's Washington. It'll leak out eventually. <laughs> Ask Adam Schiff. Who, who, whoever, whoever, whoever is breeding those dogs are going to have a good Christmas. You can rest assured. I think assured. it is. I, I really think it is really cool to just to see. Uh, service animals and and all of the hard work that that they do and their trainers do and and whatnot. All right, Matt Brooks, what's on your radar? So, uh, like lots of people, we've been watching with uh, tremendous interest and and some degree of frustration the uh, uh, ongoing uh, election saga in Israel. We've now had two elections, and we still don't have uh, a clear mandate for uh, uh, either blue and white uh Benny Gantz's party, or, or Likud, headed by Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, to get enough seats to actually get a controlling interest and in, in, uh, become uh, prime minister. And, and so there is some speculation and some talk that this is going to lead to a third election if it's deadlocked. Uh, my prediction, and I believe uh, uh, what will happen, is that uh, uh, there will be some sort of agreement between Blue and White and Likud, some power-sharing arrangement. My prediction is is Netanyahu will stay on as prime minister for a year, then Gantz for two, and then Bibi for another uh, year for the term, and then uh, we'll see where things go from there. But I, I mean, think this will be resolved before a third election. As crazy as our politics are, Israel and the U.K. make us look like C-SPAN. Uh, Antoine, what's on your radar? Uh, two things. The Liberty and Justice event in Iowa on Friday. 13,000 people, 14 candidates, 250 credited um, press persons will be in Iowa for their big annual party dinner. Iowa is the first state, not the most important state, but the first state in Democratic nominating process. I'm looking for that. And I'm looking at the qualifications for the next, not the next, but the following Democratic debate, which will be November. The deadline is October 28th. No, I'm sorry, the December debate. The deadline is October 28th, and so far only three candidates have qualified. Uh, Biden... Warren, Warren and Sanders. Sanders. Uh, so time is of the essence. October well, 28th there is there is some to your point on just how important Iowa is. Uh, there's some new polls out that have uh, Elizabeth Warren with an eight point lead over the rest of the field in Iowa. Uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, beating Joe Biden in Iowa. So but Biden looking like he's struggling in Iowa. All right. So that, that's interesting. The 2020 race. Uh, keeping an eye on that. What's on my radar? President Trump earlier today, blink and you'll miss it, uh, saying that phase one of that U.S.-China trade deal could be signed in Chile. Take a listen to President Trump. Here he is. We're about, I would say, a little bit ahead of schedule, maybe a lot ahead of schedule. Probably we'll sign it. So look, I mean, more some more positive rhetoric coming from President Trump with regards to the U.S.-China trade talks. Tomorrow, Tomorrow on Capitol Hill, there's a big Boeing hearing. We'll have the latest on that. 
And uh, it's Halloween. Are you guys dressing up for Halloween? Not tomorrow. Later this week is Halloween. Uh, Halloween week, though. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Are you going to dress up, Antoine? No, I'm going to eat candy. <laughs> What's your favorite Halloween candy? Snickers. No, bad. What's yours? What do you think? You Butter- have one answer. Butterfe- oh, well, no, honestly, Goldenberg's Peanut Chews. Oh, Pete, my dad loves Peanut Chews. Mine is, it, it has always been Butterfingers. I love but what's your can't lift finger on my butterfinger. What's that? Oh, I can't. <laughs> what's your favorite? Goldenbrook Gold, peanut juice. Yeah, got it. Got it. Or salt water taffies. Salt water taffies. All right. Thanks to Matt Brooks. Thanks to Antoine. See right. Download the sounds on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. Thank you also to Congressman John Garamendi. You're listening to Bloomberg. 99.1 The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.